I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 113 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to tell you about a big victory for state sovereignty. Well, this past week, the Supreme Court handed those of us who care about state sovereignty a huge victory. And those of you that have followed me for any amount of time know that I generally don't get real excited about what the politically connected lawyers in black dresses that uh, staff the Supreme Court have to say. But hey, when the Supreme Court is right, it's right. And it's definitely right in this particular case. And it has been right for about 175 years in terms of a principle known as the anti-commandeering doctrine, which was the centerpiece of this opinion. And most of you probably have heard about this. Uh, If you listen to the mainstream coverage, what you got was that the Supreme Court legalized sports betting. And that's not really true. The Supreme Court didn't legalize anything. What it did was it said that the states had the authority to legalize sports betting if they wanted to. So it didn't pass down a mandate that there would be sports betting in all of the world. It left it to the states. So I'm sure some states will legalize sports betting. I'm sure some states won't. Um, It's interesting. We got an email from a guy, uh, an email at the 10th Amendment Center, and this guy was upset by the ruling because he doesn't like sports betting. Uh, He's opposed to it and gave several reasons that sports betting is bad. And, you know, we could debate his points, but he completely misses the point of this ruling. It's not whether or not you care about sports betting. The point is whether or not the federal government has the constitutional authority to dictate a universal rule across the United States on sports betting. And it does not. The Tenth Amendment does not give the federal government any such power. And it is obviously a... um, issue that should be left to each state. And with this Supreme Court decision, that's what's going to happen. So I'll give you a quick rundown of the case. It started in 2014 when the state of New Jersey repealed its state laws prohibiting sports betting. And uh, this was in defiance of the Federal Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, better known as the PASPA. So New Jersey didn't really even legalized sports betting. They didn't create any kind of structure for sports betting. They just said, hey, it's not illegal under state law. We're not going to prosecute uh, and we're not going to enforce any law relating to sports betting here in the state of New Jersey, which, of course, that gives the federal government a problem because the federal government certainly can't really enforce that law. It doesn't have the personnel or resources. So, 
a coalition of sports leagues, including the NCAA, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, pretty much all of them. They sued the state of New Jersey, asserting that by repealing its state law prohibiting sports betting, the state effectively authorized the activity, and that's a violation of the PASPA. And the court did agree that the New Jersey law effectively authorized sports betting, and they agreed that it violated the federal law. But in a 7-2 opinion authored by Justice Samuel Alito, and that 7-2 number is important because that indicates that some of the left-leaning judges actually sided with the majority opinion. The court struck down these provisions of the PASPA as unconstitutional because they violate the anti-commandeering doctrine. Now, I mentioned the anti-commandeering doctrine at the top of the show, and this is an extremely important principle that uh, has been in effect since 1842 in uh, the Prig v. Pennsylvania case. Joseph Story held that the federal government could not force states to enforce federal fugitive slave laws. He said it was a federal responsibility and that the states were welcome to help, but they couldn't be forced to. So that's the foundation of the anti-commandeering doctrine, and it's been upheld by several other cases. Uh, In a nutshell, the anti-commandeering tells us that the federal government cannot force states to implement federal programs or enforce federal law. So the federal government can't force the state to use its resources and its personnel to do will of the federal government. So thus anti-commandeering. The federal government cannot commandeer the states. Now, Alito's majority opinion in Murphy versus the NCAA further cements this anti-commandeering doctrine into uh, the U.S. legal system. And in fact, it even expanded it. It's interesting, the way the plaintiffs argued, uh, they said that the PASPA didn't commandeer the states because it didn't require them to take any affirmative action. In other words, it effectively told the states that they had to keep their current sports betting laws in place. It didn't force them to do anything. They simply had to not act. Um, They had to leave that existing state law in place, basically, like I said, to do nothing. So the Third Circuit Court actually agreed with this argument, saying, quote, PASPA does not require or coerce the states to lift a finger. But the Supreme Court disagreed. Alito wrote that the PASPA did in fact violate the anti-commandeering doctrine because it directs the state legislatures by telling them that they cannot repeal a state law. And I'm going to read uh, a very important paragraph out of the ruling. Alito wrote, the PASPA provision at issue here, prohibiting state authorization of sports gambling, violates the anti-commandeering rule. That provision unequivocally dictates what a state legislature may and may not do. And this is true under either our interpretation or that advocated by the respondents in the United States. In either event, state legislatures are put under the direct control of Congress. It is as if federal officers were installed in state legislative chambers and were armed with the authority to stop legislators from voting on any offending proposals. A more direct affront to state sovereignty is not easy to imagine. So in a nutshell, what the court has said is that the federal government, Congress, cannot direct state legislatures. They can't tell state legislatures what they may or may not pass. So this expands, you know, this isn't just about sports betting. It applies to marijuana. It applies to guns. It applies to health care. It applies to any issue you can imagine. The federal government has no authority to commandeer the states. And Alito has expanded that by saying the Congress cannot direct 
a state legislature what it may or may not do. And I think it's important to note that for the first time, the court has included a constitutional basis for the anti-commandeering doctrine in in opinion. In fact, I think it's the first time that the words anti-commandeering have actually appeared in a Supreme Court opinion. Alito asserts that the doctrine flows out of the fundamental sovereignty of the state. So this is why the anti-commandeering doctrine exists. And it's really hard to argue with this reasoning. He said the anti-commandeering doctrine may sound arcane, but it is simply the expression of a fundamental structural decision incorporated into the Constitution, i.e., the decision to withhold from Congress the power to issue orders directly to the states. Conspicuously absent from the list of powers given to Congress is the power to issue direct orders to the governments of the states. The anti-commandeering doctrine simply represents the recognition of this limit on congressional authority. So this is really a Tenth Amendment issue. The Tenth Amendment says that the federal government may only exercise those powers that are delegated to it. All other powers remain with the states and the people. The the, uh, Constitution does not empower the federal government to direct state legislatures, to direct state authorities, to direct state resources. So therefore, the federal government cannot force states to do its will. The federal government has to do whatever it wants to do on its own if the states choose not to cooperate. And so that is a huge, powerful tool for those of us who want to limit the federal government to its constitutional role, because states can simply follow James Madison's blueprint, a refusal to cooperate with officers of the union. Madison wrote about this in Federalist 46. This is the blueprint to stop federal overreach, because like I said, the federal government does not have the personnel or resources to do all of the things it wants to do. It needs state cooperation to enforce all of its laws and to implement all of its programs. And when the states simply say no, the federal government There's really not a whole lot it can do. We've seen that vividly illustrated with the marijuana issue. The federal government cannot force 29 states to enforce federal marijuana law, and the federal government cannot enforce its marijuana laws itself. We need to expand this to every issue imaginable. Gun people need to learn from the weed people. Healthcare people need to learn from the weed people. We need more refusal to cooperate. That's the way we can begin to rein in this overreaching behemoth federal government. The court has handed us a tremendous victory. This is locked into federal law, and we need to use it to our benefit. So let's get busy stopping federal overreach. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. You can also subscribe to Thoughts from Meharry Head over at iTunes. It will not cost you a dime. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you again next time.